You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Half hour! Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Here to bring you casual conversations on the shows, films, concerts, and music that we see, listen to, and observe throughout our careers. Today's conversation will feature some spoilers on the entertainment we are talking about, so make sure you check out what we're talking about before listening today or not, but you have been warned. Mm-hmm. Today we're starting with some pop music. It is uh, February, mid-February 2023, and we're talking about some new shows and some new music, and we're going to dive right into pop music first today with Jeff. So yes. Jeff, come on in and tell us what we're talking about today. Here we go, and it's February 17th to be exact. So today, Pink released her ninth studio album today, so almost at the 10 you know, marker there for Miss Pink, but she released Trust Fall, um, which we've listened to this morning. And I thought this was actually a great kind of start to my day. Mm. Um, while listening to this album, I kind of really felt like Pink was taking us on this journey, almost like a spiritual journey of what it kind of feels like to be hurt what it feels like to do self-work on yourself, and also just like what it means to kind of be happy again. And it kind of, there was like some sad moments, and there were some great moments, and there were some great features on there, like the Lumineers are on this album, Chris Stapleton's on this album, and I'm I'm very happy that Pink came back with this as her ninth album. What did you kind of feel? I feel like she really knows how to perform a song and perform it well. Mm -hmm. And I don't find that her music is too overproduced or too heavy. I don't know if that's the right word, but I don't know if I don't find the instrumentals or the vocals to be too overly produced, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I feel like she just knows how to sing and she knows how to sing well. And I find that I really hone in on her lyrics and I don't find that her music is like, I feel like a lot of the pop music lately has been like super chill, vibey, or in your face, in your face. (laughs) And this is like not either of those. This is like, I'm going to sing a song. Some of these are ballads. You could sit at a piano and sing it at home if you want. Yeah. You don't need 8,000 techno elements to make it sound like, you know, when people sing a song outside of a recording, a lot of times I feel like it's like, oh, well, it doesn't sound like the original because it's some of these songs today are so overproduced. Right. Yes, of course, there's production value to what she's doing. But I feel like she just sounds really good and she sings healthy and there's not too much like auto-tune going on or anything over the top, even though she is like a stellar performer and she does over the top things. Total. I just think it's tasteful and I think it's healthy. And I think she's a pop star to be always moving through the times correctly. She's a mom now. She's older and she's still staying edgy and relevant. But she also realizes who she is. I don't know. She's always been really with it for me. Yeah. That was something interesting you know? that you've just brought this up because I've Pink debuted. 23 years wow. ago in 2000 with Can't Take Me Home. So, and you probably don't even know much from that album because really. it's so long ago yeah. and it was very R&B and dance pop influenced. And now we're here and she's kind of taken her sound on a journey through this whole time that she's been in the music industry. And a, a big thing to note here is she is still using Max Martin on her pop stuff. Mm. So you can kind of still hear that Max Martin, like really great production that we all have fallen in love with and have 
really grown to love, especially with seeing something like And Juliet and all of Max Martin's music being in there. So to hear Pink still using him, I'm like, oh, okay, so she's still kind of staying with her roots and what's really made her shine. And she's just elevated it, I think. And this is really having a more mature and motherly sound on an album. And you're you're right, you know, you look at someone like Madonna, and she's always tried to stay current with what sounds are happening in the trends in the pop industry. And Pink really just kind of sticks to what she knows best, and knows her age and knows what she should be putting out. So it's interesting to kind of look at that. Yeah, I also I always look at what pe- the choices people make in their careers too, like where they're choosing to perform and Mm -hmm. what they're choosing to perform. So it's like when Beyonce shows up to the Kennedy Center and sings a ballad for Barbra Streisand, or when Lady Gaga shows up to the Academy Awards and sings a tribute to Julie Andrews, I look at those people going through their careers and I say to myself, okay, there's someone who gets it and is kind of doing their own thing on their tours and then is able to show up and do that. And Pink did that too. Pink did that too. When she recently sang the tribute, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking right now. She just, she sang a tribute to Olivia Newton-John. Olivia Newton-John, yes. Yeah. And when you can do that, and I look at it, and like, not to like, kind of be downer on Madonna, but like, when does Madonna show up and do that? Mm. Her late, her newest tour coming out is going to be like this, like, I'm 22 again, and like, listen to me, look at me, and I'm like, that's great, but I think a lot of the criticism for Madonna comes from, and has nothing to do with what she looks like or how she acts, it just comes down to like, what is she doing other than trying to stay relevant from her music 30 years ago? Mm. And I think that, it's smart when people are going through the industry like someone like Pink is and still, I'm edgy, I'm fun, I can say a curse word here and there, I can be dramatic, well, but I can done. also tone it down a little bit. Not tone it down in what she's trying to say, tone down the mood and the element of it. Well, it's done tastefully. Yeah. You know, Pink is going on a summer carnival tour mm-hmm. this summer, so I really hope we get to see that. Do you think we're going to be able to? <laughs> those, to those tickets are pricey, yeah. but she'll be playing at City Field this summer. And... You know, she knows her strength in her acrobat yeah. performances, and it makes sense to go on the Summer Carnival Tour. What does that mean to her? Yeah. Um, some standout tracks on this album for me definitely is the title of the album, Trust Yeah, Fall. that's a great song. It I really, really love Never Gonna Not Dance Again. I just think it's this power anthem for people that just maybe were struggling and can continue, and they, they want to dance. So... Um, my other big standout here is Runaway. Um, that might be coming up in the pop music drop. And then I also really liked Last Call. So I, did, I just think all of these songs had a really great meaning. Yeah. And, you know, was the album anything like groundbreaking? Yeah, n- no, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. It's a great listen. And I'll probably listen to it a few more times and be happy with it. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, nice. also in Popland today, I wanted to note that Caroline Polachek released her fourth studio album, Desire, I Want to Turn Into You. I took this album for a little bit of a spin because it actually came out on February 14th, which was Tuesday. And I must say that Caroline really is perfecting in this world of art pop. And I, I need to give this album a few more listens because this is not one of those albums that you just listen to once and say, wow, that was amazing. It, it is amazing, but it really, I need a few more listens before mm. I can really give my overall overview or critique of how I felt there. So, but I did want to note, Caroline came out with this album. Nice. And also, let's go over into a couple more things because two, two pop things. One, we watched the Rihanna Super Bowl on yeah. Sunday. What did you think? Um, okay. So since we talked about this in the last episode, we had to bring this up, but Mm. I was 
extremely happy with this Rihanna performance. Mm-hmm. I know that this has had the most mixed reviews probably than almost any other Super Bowl performance because it was like Rihanna's return to music. What is she going to do next? And maybe she's not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. And does she even need to? I think that what she did in this performance was a great ode to her music work. And this could be her moment of saying, I may never do music again, but look at the legacy of music in the pop space that I have created. Banger after banger after banger. And she put on a show. She said, this is about me. This is about me and being a mother. This is about me and being a mother again. This is about me and my journey. And this is about me being a billionaire. Yeah. And I loved it. I thought it, I was captivated the whole time. The floating yeah. stages was amazing design choice. The costumes and the way she moved throughout the space. I thought it was great. I thought it flowed nice. I thought it was awesome. I, I, I was just... It was what I thought it was going to be. I don't yeah. know. I didn't think there was. Everyone was like, "Is a guest art artist going to come out? Is she going to do this? How many costume changes is she going to have?" I'm like, "Nope, she's yeah. just going to come that's out." That's like something that I always find so interesting with people. It's like they have all these high expectations for pop stars over and over and over again to be like, "Who are they going to bring out? Who are they?" They couldn't just be happy that hey, Rihanna is coming on the stage and she was giving us some soft choreo and she was giving us moving stages. Yeah, she, it was great yeah. from a visual aspect. Uh, it just looked beautiful. Yeah. Looked beautiful. And yeah. she sounded great. Totally. Totally did. I was very impressed. I thought it was great overall. And I hope we get no more music from her because I really like some of those songs. Yes. I have an on the aisle review thing here because we almost forgot that we were going to do this. But we went to a concert on Friday. Yes. yes. <laughs> we went and saw Tovlo and we saw Slater. Mm-hmm. So. Both of us together. Both of yeah. us together. Went to a pop concert together. Mm-hmm. And it was. Okay. My opinion. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. I. I loved the performance that both Slater and Tove put on. I loved their music. It was fun. Um, was it the best venue? Absolutely not. But I had a great time. I think I have a major problem with standing room when when thousands of people are standing on one level and there's mm-hmm. no rake in the platform where the back people in the back are higher or whatever. You have to, I mean, I thought this was like 101 of theater designs and cost and, and, and concert design. Like yeah. I thought this was a 101, but your stage needs to be high up. Yeah. If you want, if people are not raked, a Broadway stage doesn't have to be so high up if the seating is raked. So the yeah. people sitting in the back of an orchestra level are raked high up to the stage. If you look at like, you know what I'm saying? You go to a Hammerstein ballroom. That's one level of people standing, but the stage is very high up. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand at this venue we were at. We, can, I'm a shorter person. I could barely see her half the time. Yeah, and she sounded great, but I'm like, I can barely see what's going on. And mm-hmm. I wasn't even that far back. What were we? Maybe halfway back? Maybe halfway? No, I thought we were in a pretty good spot yeah. when the show and started. And I'm like, you but have you to know- build platforms. You have to put them up on cubes or blocks or platforms or something. I, I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. I th- I think that's a huge disservice. Someone is dropping the ball. It is hard, I, I definitely, do. in terms of general admission venues, especially when you know that there are a lot of tall people at these concerts. And from where we had a great spot in this show, to not be able to see the work that they put into creating this show is kind of a disservice to them. Mm. Whether it's having screens up on the, the sides of the stage, which there weren't, or being up on a platform, which they weren't. Even Terminal 5 has a high stage. We've stood pretty far yeah. back in Terminal 5. You can see everything fine. I don't know what it was about this right. venue. Or and this I, was at the Knockdown Center. Yeah. So 
their stage literally is at eye level. So it's anyone... just very poorly. You can't have a pretty big star with thousands of people and just can barely see yeah. it. I mean, I don't know. And because other their people performance were was great. Yeah. And they sounded great. So it's it's shame that we have to talk about it like this. Yeah. That, oh, we couldn't really see them. Because that's, we could hear them, but we couldn't really see them. Yeah. You know, we've I've been to shows at Hammerstein Ballroom and people, artists have built areas for them to go up on so everyone can see them. So, Even Carly Rae at Radio City, that's a yeah. great stage too. She was up on platforms. I mean, I don't understand. I've This was like the one concert. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what year are we in that yeah. we haven't figured this out yet? Like, I don't understand. It's very... Also, I don't know. Maybe you know more about this than me with this industry, but it's like... She can't be performing at a midtown Manhattan venue by now. I don't. I, we're going all the way out to the middle of nowhere, Queens, to some barn. Sorry, <laughs> that's what it was. Literally, I liked her, and I liked. We were with a great group of friends. We had a great time. We were dead. the whole night was good. But I'm like in some barn. barn in the middle of nowhere, Queens, and the venue wasn't that bad. I didn't know. Not for me. I thought. I just don't I, think I it's really a concert anything. venue. It's, it's more just, like a club. Or it's... like a wedding venue. I don't know. I feel like I was in like a big wedding hall. It was just, I'm like, what are you doing here? I'm like, you can't find anywhere else. I'm not saying you need to go to some big radio city, but like Terminal 5, Hammerstein Ballroom, prime examples of locations. I'm pretty sure she's a big enough name to be able to perform. You hear that? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I have a big thing when it comes to venues. I, you know how many times we see Broadway shows and I say, this show's too big for this venue or this show's too small for this venue. I, I just, All the time. Venues are big deals. No, to me. She, they should have been at a different venue, yeah. both of them. Yeah. And, you know, but once again, I loved it. I yeah. love Slater. Yeah. Slater's my great. girl. And, yeah, so... All right, that's enough about some pop. Let's go, let's go over to Broadway. We're World. going to Broadway today, and we're talking about just one show um, today, which we saw recently, which is Kimberly Akimbo, a new musical on Broadway playing at the Booth Theater. Um, Kimberly Akimbo is starring the wonderful Victoria Clark as book and lyrics by David Lindsay Bear, music by Janine Tesori, and was directed by Jessica Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been on the buzz for a while. We finally got tickets to go see this this winter. It opened in October, I believe. Um mm-hmm. And wow, what a show. What an original show. Yeah. Uh, It's nice to see something fresh and original. What are your overall thoughts on this? So I I had a good time at the show. This is definitely a stage show. It's something that you just go to and you have a good time. And you're probably not going to really listen to the cast recording all the time. And you might be a little bit like, why were certain parts of that done on in the performance? I just think, you know, it was good. It wasn't groundbreaking. It was fun. There's a great message in it. And I thought some of the performances in this show were absolutely stellar. Yeah, I would agree with you that I liked it. I enjoyed it. I would go see it again. I'm not obsessed with it. No. And I know some people are, and I think that's great. I also think in a post-pandemic kind of a world, you have this really happy show kind of that has a lot of comedy in it that's really original not based on a movie right yeah. it's actually based on the play Kim Lee Kim that David Lindsay Bear wrote in the early 2000s that he now musicalized with the change of story which I think is kind of cool yeah. that you can look at your piece 20 years later and be like let's put this in a musical form you know um Victoria Clark, let's talk about her. Okay. That's really tough to do what she's doing. She's and she's, she's doing an a great older job. woman. She's playing older, but she's playing younger I meant, but she's older. But she's supposed to act young. But we want a psychosis around the acting of that, right? Yeah. I, I thought that was really, really impressive what she's doing up there. 
really impressive. And I love everything she does. And so you see her in maternal roles usually. Mm -hmm. So to see her doing this, I'm like, good for you. Like you found something that is just so original and that's going to set you out among, set you apart. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, Bonnie Milligan, stellar vocals, hilarious character, totally Tony nomination potential. You know my feeling on Bonnie. Yeah. I am in love with Bonnie. Her voice is like no other in the Broadway space yeah. right now at times. Yeah. I feel like she is effortless when she belts out these roles and she does it with such clarity. Mm-hmm. And I just have to praise her. I, I would love to see her in more and more roles just on Broadway because I think she's so underrated in yeah. this industry. Yeah. And uh, just being the comedic timing that she plays in this as yeah. the ant here. And I think she also has one of the best songs yeah, in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, better. Yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. Just really stands out as a great musical theater song, but also with pop influences. And let's just talk about some of the music there. I don't think all of the music is most memorable. No, there's definitely some forgettable songs. And what was bothering me at times was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I just thought that the score was like, there's a couple, like, I love the ending, Great on yeah. a Great Adventure. I love that Bonnie song. I love the Make-A-Wish song that Victoria Clark sings in the beginning. Like, there's some standout moments, but in general, unfortunately, some of the songs are very forgettable to me. And I was like, okay. I, I remember sitting in some of the songs being like, okay, are we going to go on to the next song now? Like, I don't really know. You know, it was okay. I know I just, one of them you probably didn't really like as much, but I really liked it. And it's the mother's song who's played by Ali Mozzie. Um, the mom's name is Patty, but she sang the song Father Time. Yeah, and it was okay. I think she sounded really great on the studio recording, which also came out this week. Um, yes, it did. Uh, and we always have this issue with parent roles sometimes, I find, in musical theater. And they're almost these, like, discarded characters, unless the show is really about them, but that either get the really bad songs and no one knows how to write a parent song. And it's just like... I don't know. There was something that kind of touching about that song. And it kind of makes you kind of realize what the root and heart is of this show. And is it kind of like what has been done to others in the past reflects them in the future? Yeah. You know, like, did she have an issue with her father? And then she pushes that onto her daughter, who she can't relate to or can't really accept for the faults that she has. And, you know, it's just, it makes you think. I, I find, I've, I found that a lot of cringy moments with the family. And I think that's the point. If yeah, you're supposed you to feel to. uncomfortable with this horrible family dynamic, then I guess that's the point. Cause at times I was like, Oh my God, these scenes are like so cringe to me. And I was like, no, not like in a bad way. The acting was fine. The writing was fine. It was more of like a, Oh, this is purposely done like this. Like this right. is, and this poor woman is trying to get through her life. Girl, you know, is trying to get her to her life. I loved her relationship with Justin Cooley. Yeah. I loved their scenes together. I loved their dynamic. The strongest part of the whole show to me is those two's relationship at the end when they're in the car and all you're wondering is, is she going to go? to disney world i love the use of projections yeah um to show where she went at the end tearjerker moment at the end for me watching her get some of those which and she's just so happy and it was like that cheesy musical theater moment that you just love i loved that ending i would just watch the ending again a million mm. times i thought it was ended so well yeah um for sure the storyline too just from the script like what makes you think someone would write something like this i don't know and 
that's what's interesting. That's what's nice is that you're not just getting another movie adaptation or another revival. You're getting something really original. Like, and I think it works with live people on stage because you're seeing Victoria. Oh, also moment when Victoria Clark comes out dressed as the old lady when they're going to be oh. like the and, and the audience literally gasped because you were like, oh, my God, I, I get chills thinking about it right now. because like, oh, there is Victoria Clark. Mm hmm. Oh. Victoria looks older now. But like she did it in when she was dressed as the kid. I don't know. It's kind of a mind game. Yeah. You're sitting there, you're like, she's young, but she's not, but she's old, but she's not. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's what's keeping me motivated through the whole piece is her. There, that is a vehicle show. You know, mm -hmm. and the supporting roles were fine. There were some great moments, but in terms of an arcing story, she's carrying that. You're right. You know, um, the Greek chorus, loved the use of the Greek chorus, loved the dynamic of fun. high school kids in there. I thought that was really great. Cleverly akimbo is the anagram that they make for her. Akimbo, the type the definition of akimbo is with hands and with hands on the hips and elbows turned outward. Like a stance. And I feel like that's maybe her like mission through life is like standing with her hands on her hips, defying moments. I thought that was a cool word. Although then I wonder why the, we were talking about this. Why is the play not named Cleverly Akimbo? Right. And why is it Kimberly Akimbo? And I also wonder, maybe she still finds new identity in Akimbo, but then old identity in Kimberly. Maybe it's a hybrid of two different identities. Mm. Her past that she can't seem to break from, Kimberly, and then her future being yeah. Akimbo. Maybe it's a hybrid. I thought of that. I mean, maybe it would be interesting to ask the playwriting team about that. Um, because hmm. we didn't fully use Kimberly Lavaco, I think is her real name, or Cleverly Akimbo as like a hybrid. I thought that was kind of cool. Mm. So. Yeah. Well, overall, nice. Yeah. And nice. I, I, I loved it. I love original things. How could you not? You know, yeah. we just bring, keep bringing original mainstream commercial things. Um, is it for people, though, that are not the average theater goer? If you're looking for something fun and different and kind of to escape your mind a little bit and open your mind a little bit, sure. If you're looking for jukebox, if you're looking for like tourist trap thing, I don't know. This is that for you. you know? Right. Um, but I, I really think it's great. Yeah. Uh, and it was nice. Um, all right, wrapping up here a little bit. We have two, but we're going to get to pop music drop soon. We have two Broadway news updates, um, starting with Sandy Rustin's comedy, The Cottage, was just announced at a limited engagement at Broadway Helen Hayes Theater this summer. That's going to be coming to Broadway. It's not this current Tony season, but it'll be this year, this summer, um, with um, Emmy Award winner Eric McCormack from Will & Grace is going to be in it. Tony nominee Laura Bell Bundy from Legally Blonde which I'm most excited about because we haven't seen Laura Bell in a long time. She is Miss Elle Woods, and she's returning to Broadway. So, in a play, though. In a play. doesn't matter. Just get to see her live doing her thing. That's a I play. know. I do like to hear her sing. Maybe she'll be in town, and then she'll do like a 54 Below Night singing or something. You know, like she's going to be here now. Oh my this. God, you guys. Oh my God, God <laughs> me, I love her. Um, Tony nominee Lily Cooper from Tootsie is going to be in this as well. Additional booking role after. Yeah, role she's after always role. working. Lily yeah, Cooper, always working. Your girl, Lily. Um, Lily. <laughs> um, and Jason Alexander from Drum Robbins Broadway and Seinfeld um, is going to be directing this. Um, oh. It's inspired by the works of Noel Coward, which I think is really cool. The Cottage is set in the English countryside in 1923 as Sylvia decides to expose her affair to both her husband and her lover's wife. Comedy ensues. It's supposed to be very funny. I've heard that the out-of-towns and stuff. It's very, very funny. This makes me think of comedy and thinking how um, <laughs> I wish Megadoon would still go on Broadway. <laughs> well, it's coming season two this spring. I know, but I still, wish like, I, I still think Schmigadoon would be so funny I on know. Broadway. Um, um, or just like 
if that evolves into an actual stage production of something, not like the actual show, but if they make one for the stage. Yeah, sure. Why not? You know, as we love our, our comedy in Broadway. Definitely. Definitely. Um, but that's cool that that comedy's coming. Also, uh, more Broadway news. Boop, the Betty Boop musical, making a Ooh. pre-Broadway world premiere this fall in Chicago pre-Broadway, assuming mm. that maybe this time next year it'll be coming to Broadway. Boop, boop, Tony winner Jerry Mitchell from Kinky Boots, LaCasha Faux, and Hairspray will direct and choreograph this. Um, Should be over at the top then. Yeah, I think it's... Here's what it comes down to. Like, I don't care if anything from commercial life is going to come to Broadway, but like... It always comes down to the story and the music. Right. Or if it's a play, the story. You just have to have a good story. If it's going to have like a really great plot and really great music, great. But if it's just try to sell tickets because it's Betty Boop, but like there's no good plot or story. I don't know. I mean, I look at the names. We have Tony Award winner Bob Martin from The Drowsy Chaperone and The Prom is writing the book. So like, okay, he's great. And then um, lyrics by Tony nominee Susan Birkenhead. And then we have music by Grammy Award winner David Foster who wrote I Have Nothing, After the Love is Gone, The Prayer. So, like, a, these are big-name people writing this. David um, Foster, like uh, Catherine McPhee is David Foster? I think. Yeah, right? I think that's who that is. Well, I have to look that up. she's not but, playing Betty Boop. Mm, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it says a... It, it, it just, it, it's interesting because it, this is such an iconic cartoon from like a hundred years ago. Um, it's interesting because a musical has been in the work for many years. In 2004, Andrew Lippa said he was collaborating with David Lindsay Abair, who we just talked about from. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden it became Jason Robert Brown being attached to the composer for a little bit. And now all of a sudden, 2008, it was announced that it was going to come during the 2010-2011 season. Never did. Now it's a new writing team. So it's like, it, the teams keep changing. Mm. So that worries me a little bit. When you constantly hear of teams changing, remember when Frozen was coming and then the whole team changed? I just get a little nervous because I'm like, someone is not happy that you're changing the whole team. So this is like the third composing team for this. So I'm just hoping that it's got it right now. Something else did that recently where the team kept changing over and over again. Well, the Devil Wears Prada is going through rewrites right now and a different director and an next out of town. There's some changes. No, was it Paradise Square? I don't know. but And it, you could just feel like, oh, it just felt like it kept changing. When you see like a, a baby of a show being made by someone for – when Lin-Manuel spends 10 years writing Hamilton with his team, you get a great product. I'm not saying changing the team doesn't mean you don't get a good product. But when it's well, in it's the different. news as constant change, Yeah, but like, then oh, it's, you have different ideas marrying each other. And yeah, so then it just you doesn't work. The, right, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, cool stuff coming up there. That's the Broadway news. And now we're going to go into some – uh, pop it's or the drop. pop music drop time. Yes. So that means we do bop or flop with Richie of my six tracks that I've picked for the pop music drop today. And we're starting with Lana Del Rey released A&W on Tuesday on Valentine's Day, which A&W has some innuendo um, there. Yeah. What did you think? Bop. I love it. I love her. I love the production on it. Who produced it, you said? Jack Antonoff. Yeah. You can tell. It's got a really good ear You can really it. tell, too. And many people who have listened to it probably will tell you, oh, I, I hear some Taylor in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lana's great. I love her. So, great. Because that's been on repeat for me. Um, yes. One for one. Next, Lotto released Lottery Today featuring Lucala. Um, Yeah, love this, Bob. I love Lotto. You know, loves Lotto. I love Lotto. 
Lotto, <laughs> Lotto with Lizzo when we saw Lizzo. Love Lotto it. and Lizzo. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. And then Pink's Runaway. Yeah, um, I love this. Great. Really, really great bop. Uh, next, we have Maud, Latour, and Heaven. Mm, I'm going to put this in a little flop category for me. It's like borderline. He always does this to my Maud. I'm just not a fan of the sound. I don't know, or the vibe. It's just not, I wouldn't call it a bop. I don't know. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, BB Rexa released Heart Wants What It Wants. Total bop. Love it. Vibes. Good energy. Def. So that vibed. That That for me. Vibed. <laughs> that vibed. Yep. But Maud did not vibe. Correct. Next. <laughs> and last but not least, we're going to have Forrest Nolan, who I don't know much about Forrest, but um, I came across this track, Miss Misery, today. Yeah, this is great. It's actually really well written. I love the chords and the lyrics, and I, I thought it was a really well written pop song and total bop. It's a little it. uh, Gen Zer for yeah, you there. There we go. So there we go. Very nice. You know, there the, and there's the bopper flops. And there's the bop. So five out of six. I always try to get as many. I'm, I'm hopeful for the song. Carrie, you don't have to like them all. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think mods fine. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I, I, she's great. I just, I don't know. I just wasn't like, it's not the worst song ever. What's your favorite from the whole list? That Lotto song, I think. <laughs> I like that Lotto song. <laughs> all right. Oh. There we go. Wrapping up. Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. We are just about out of time here. Wrapping up. Great conversation about a lot of different things today. It was really nice. Um, yes. So there we go. And we didn't have to speed talk a mile a minute today. I feel like we had a good pacing throughout all the stuff we had to talk about. Sometimes he does. Sometimes I do. <laughs> so thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Music and leave us a review. If you love what you heard today, we also want you to join our conversation and engage with us. Head over to our Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast and comment on the latest post about this podcast episode. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. Next week, moving on, some more Broadway shows. There's some new things opening next week. We got some new shows coming and some more pop music on the way too. So lots of great stuff. So Always. make sure you're listening every Friday for the latest and greatest on pop and Broadway. Yay. All right, signing off for now. Until next time, I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Saying ta ta. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.